it's another episode of Teed Up. Got a lot going on. Uh, we just had a great discussion with Matt Moore in the last episode. The midterm elections are coming up, and I highly encourage you to take a listen to that episode, and I also highly encourage you to get out there and vote. It's super important. My guest on the show today is Yin Chan, who just wrote an amazing article uh, documenting her experience as an undocumented immigrant uh, coming over to the United States. And it's a really powerful read. There'll be a link in my podcast description for you to check it out for yourself. Let's dive right in because this is a really crucial topic uh, given today's current landscape. There's a lot of inspirational things to pull out of Ian's story um, for any entrepreneur, for anyone who's raising a family. Uh, Yin does a great job of describing her journey throughout life, and and we're even going to dive into some of the best that New Jersey has to offer uh, towards the end of the episode. So stay tuned, uh, give a listen, grab your cup of tea, and let's go. All right, I got a very special guest today, Yin Yin Chan. And Yin and I met actually, wow, I want to say like seven, eight years ago, working out of a tiny WeWork. It wasn't the WeWork that you know of today, uh, but Yin... And I were reintroduced to each other, actually, through her writing. Yin recently wrote an article on Medium called My Journey as an Undocumented Immigrant. And that's about all I want to say about that, because I want Yin to tell her story. So welcome to the podcast, Yin. Hey, Andy. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, seven or eight years is definitely a long time. I mean, not much um, has changed with me. I'm pretty much the same guy, uh, same haircut. I think you you have a kid now, so that's cool. Yeah, I have a four four and a half year old daughter. So to give the audience a little more clarity, so also I I am friendly with Ian's husband, Eric, who uh, is a frequent contributor to my Instagram posts in the comments section. I feel like. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he's my my target audience at this point. So whenever anything has to do with 90s alternative rock or whatever I'm putting on the grill, Eric uh, has some good feedback. So hopefully we'll get him on the show one day to do a cooking episode, I think. Yeah, he's definitely your number one fan, I think. That's that's I don't know whether to pat him on the back for that or to tell him to (laughs) to get some help. But uh, yeah, but I appreciate it nevertheless. But um. So cool. So I have you on today, obviously, and not Eric, because you wrote this amazing article. Article, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Uh, Expose of your amazing story. I don't know. But it really, it really, in an age where I read a lot of what I like to call pollution on the internet, um, this was something that really stood out to me. So I'd love for you to dive into what uh, made you write it and maybe give the audience just a brief synopsis of your incredible journey. And I encourage everyone to log on to Medium for themselves to read it because I don't think you and I can do it justice in the in a podcast format because um, it's really a powerful thing to read. Yeah, I actually wanted to, um, before I started writing, I wanted to do a podcast version of the concept, but I realize I'm not a very good conversationalist, at least um, in my head I'm not. Um, so I, I decided I felt more comfortable writing out the story, writing out my personal story. Um, what had inspired me was, I mean, the, being an undocumented immigrant was like a very matter of fact thing um, when I was growing up. And I never really had the chance to think twice or even three times about it, about what that meant 
for me personally and what that meant in the greater context of our society. Um, and I was only reminded of it because of the Donald Trump election, um, 2016. And it, it really like all those events that happened, you know, from that time till now. And I know that this is an issue that's been going on for a very long time. Um, as I know from the course of my life, um, but it was only since then that I really tried to process what that meant for me and how it affected um, the person that I am, my upbringing, and how that might affect somebody that isn't isn't even as privileged as I am because um, of a certain ethnicity that you know doesn't get targeted um, in a way that uh, others do. Um, so it was just that two, three years thinking about this for a very long time before I actually sat down to put all my thoughts um, on paper. Um, and, and I think that's actually a really important thing for for us to kind of chat about is that it took you two to three years to really get this down. Um, so for our audience uh, to know, Yin is not you know someone who's out there tweeting all day and posting on Instagram. In fact, uh, I never see in on social media. This is why I need to interact with Eric all the time um, to stay in touch. But so it was pretty like it was pretty jarring to see you put out this you know seventeen minute read on Medium. Uh, I knew just before I even got into the thick of it, like it, it, this must be something that was really weighing on you for quite some time. Yeah, totally. And I think that. Um, what I was seeing that people had a certain idea of what an undocumented immigrant looks like. Um, and I don't think anybody expected, you know, I'm a working professional Asian American woman. I, you know, I'm middle class. I'm maybe middle upper class. I'm not even sure. Um, but just I'm of a certain, I come from a certain, um, background that people don't expect to have been an undocumented immigrant. Um, I think most Asian Americans come to America with some sort of visa, some sort of, you know, legal identity, legal status. Um, so it's not really something that people expect. And I, I don't, I'm not really a hundred percent certain why I felt so compelled to write this, but it, definitely something yeah that was weighing on me for for a while um and i thought that it was important to show that you probably know somebody that was or is an undocumented immigrant you they don't talk about it because they can't um and they're going through certain troubles certain problems as an undocumented immigrant and they can't talk about it because for the fear of being caught being exposed and having to be sent back to wherever it is they're from, but they're not really from there. Like I, I was born in Hong Kong. Um, but I kind of was, I, I was in Taiwan. I was raised in Taiwan until I was seven. So if at age 17, my family had been caught and deported back to Taiwan, I had, I would have no, um, I have no connection with, that country in a way where it's like, I feel like that's my home. Um, 
So imagine somebody that was a baby that was brought here undocumented and having, you know, being caught and being deported and being sent back to this place that they have no connection with. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely one of the things that that triggered this or that inspired me um, on top of many other things, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, and I think it's interesting and think about how we met, right? And think about all the people around us at, you know, these co-working places for startups. There's so many people there with so many different backgrounds and so many different stories. And I feel like because we're all building products and building uh, businesses, a lot of times these stories kind of fall to the background, yet they are such an important part of our DNA, um, not only in how we go about our personal lives, but our, but our business lives as well. And And I think that, there's a tendency that those who have um, a harder journey to uh, the U.S., maybe not the standard one, um, can use that. Can use those experiences as positives as they build products. Uh, would you say that's something that has helped you as as you navigate building new businesses for yourself? Um. Yeah. I mean, my parents came here. They, you know, I want to say they had nothing, but they had something more than most. Um, they were able to get jobs in the restaurant industry and kind of build their build their net worth to be able to buy into um, a restaurant business over time. And you know, we were lucky enough in that way that that business that they had paid my way through college, um, and you know, they're able to retire in a little more comfortable manner than most people. Um, so, but they definitely like worked really hard. They didn't really know what it mean. I don't, in, okay. It, in my opinion, I don't think they really understood fully what it means to build and grow a business. What they did was they bought into a business that um, they worked really hard at and made it sustainable, made it, made it work for them, for, for the family. Um, and so there's definitely that mentality as an entrepreneur, when you're trying to get something off the ground and you have very little to no money in order to start that, there's definitely some, some of that, um, zeal that you have to put into it, that, that extra scrappy scrappiness that you have to put into it. Um, and that's definitely part of a little part of the immigrant mentality, which is, you just you have to do what you need to to get your family fed. Um, so if you don't know how to grow business, you learn. You you learn as fast as you can, and and you and you you got to make it work, or else or else you can't live. There um, there is no alternative, essentially. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And when you're undocumented, your your options are limited because you. It's not like it's not as if. Um, you know, this doesn't work out and then you can find a full-time job to, to fall back on. Even, you know, you can't even, you probably can't even get a job at Starbucks making coffee because you do need status, uh, legal status to be able to work at, um, a company like that. So it's either you figure it out yourself or 
that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so one of the reasons we started talking and why your your story resonated with me is because I have an immigration story of my own. And while I was born in the United States, uh, my grandfather and my grandmother um, on both sides, actually, uh, you know, migrated over here. My mom's side, my grandfather and his family, you know, had escaped Nazi Germany. And he's got a great story. I can't do it justice in this one episode. Um, but essentially, after escaping a, yeah, a concentration wow. camp, he escaped, uh, he found his way onto a boat to Haiti. And eventually, uh, the Hamburger family, and yes, my mom's last name is Hamburger. Uh, she had to deal with a lot of fun moments when uh, people would look her up in the phone book back in the day when people did that. Um, but <laughs> the hamburgers actually started a new life here in New Jersey uh, as chicken farmers. And m- my uncle Kurt, my great uncle Kurt, uh, he was one of Germany's most prominent dentists, but he couldn't bring those skills over to the U.S. Um, he was one of the first to actually sue Hitler before uh, Hitler fully took over in Germany to try to stop them. And he ended up becoming a chicken farmer. And the hamburgers knew nothing about chicken farming, but that's what they had to do when they came over here. Um, and so there's, I'm sure there's a lot of good stories I need to find out more and do a little bit more digging into my own family history on that. But uh, it inspired me to actually go back and think about my own family's journey um, and, and how they got here and how you do whatever you can um, to build a hopefully better life in America. And I think now more than ever, uh, we need to draw on some of that uh, grittiness, that that hustle that our our families uh, had to to basically uh, use uh, to really to build new new lives here and and kind of build our own new lives in a a trying time right now, I think. Yeah, and it's obvious that that, that kind of mentality got passed down to you because you're a self-starter, you're an entrepreneur and you try to like, um, you know, build from something that, that doesn't really, that hasn't existed before. So you're trying to build something for yourself um, with that gritty attitude. And I think a lot of us don't realize that some of our traits, some of our characteristics are because our, our, our parents or our grand- grandparents had passed that passed that mentality down to us because they went through some sort of um, major challenges in their life and they taught us something just through the generations. Yeah, I mean, my grandfather worked in a factory long hours when he came over here. Uh, he was blinded in one eye uh, from wow. from his experience with the Nazis. So he had limited physical capabilities, yet he was working a kiln, you know, night and day. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think I draw on that as uh, inspiration, but also it reminds me constantly of how strong uh, my, my family was in very trying times. And it, it gives me a lot of strength now to conquer problems that weren't nearly uh as as threatening as what they had to deal with um sometimes like i use it just as a reminder that i'm actually really fortunate and lucky because they paved the way and then that also serves as inspiration to to keep moving forward and to keep trying new things and to keep trying to continue the legacy that my family has started and just at the end of the day i feel it's try to make the world a better place whether it's for 
um, business sake, uh, personal sake, uh, try to be a good citizen, you know? Yeah, totally. That's, yeah. Um, I definitely think about that a lot um, in raising my daughter um, because I want her to have, have some of what my parents had, which is being self-starters and being resourceful, being self-sufficient. Um, I think, in my opinion, those are pretty important traits to have to be able to survive. Um, and I think that's just another thing is like when you're an immigrant and when you come here, you're basing everything on your survival skills. So that's what I want to make sure my, my daughter, my future generation has in them is to understand what it means to to make it on your own just in case you can't get a cushy job to like um you know make a living or if that's just what she aspires to be is a self-starter and that then she will hopefully have the basic skills to be able to do that when when she gets to that age yeah i I think it's gonna be interesting to see I don't know. The thought of raising a child today is, is terrifying to me, just in the age of social media and uh, in in the age of Instagram and Snapchat and seeing how children are absorbing content, which not to, to stretch this too far, but that's why I actually think what you did with your article and your story and, and using the pen as your sword, uh, sadly, is something that is not often done anymore. Um, and how do you feel in an age of, of Instagram and Snapchat? You know, why was it so important to get your story down on paper? And how did you uh, feel about it once it was released into the world in this way? Right. Um, I mean, there's definitely uses for Instagram and Snapchat. I'm not personally, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they are. Um, but I, I'm just more comfortable being able to put my full thoughts down um, in in writing and in, in long form writing and and I think that's that's the way I can make sure that you for myself that I knew what I was processing that um, and it was just easier in this way for me. There's no way I can express myself like this on Instagram or Snapchat or even Twitter. Um, no matter how many threaded tweets I had, I don't think it would it would it would allow me to get these ideas out. Um, yeah, I actually when I started, I wanted to I wanted to be able to put this these thoughts down for myself first of all, and then I wanted to be able to inspire other people to write down their stories because I felt that. Um, we can all relate to certain aspects of our other people's lives. Not every single detail of every somebody else's life we understand or can relate to, but you know, there are certain feelings and emotions that, that can connect you with this other person that is totally different from me, that comes from a totally different background. And I thought that that was such an important way for other people to kind of understand your point of view. Like I didn't put this out to convince anyone of anything. Like I, I don't know. um, I don't know if what the solution to undocumented immigration is in America. Um, But I 
do know my point of view. I do know what I live through. Um, so maybe that can shed some light for other people to kind of understand the process and understand the flaws in, in the system and in the country and just to just to be able to connect with other people that didn't really know what that type of life was like. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think actually, you're putting a face to to the story, which, which I yeah, think is totally. really important. And that's something that really came through to me in your writing. Um, and you use really specific examples, I feel, um, really real-world examples. I think one thing to me that really stood out was your story about how you had to choose where to go to college and how you'd been accepted but because you didn't have a social security number, your your whole world was turned upside down. You had to be very practical and make uh, a quick decision and attend Rutgers. Um, you want to talk through that a little bit? Um, sure. I mean, my parents, my mom um, went to college in Taiwan and that the system, the educational system there is completely different than the one here in America. My dad didn't. He um, he had probably an equivalent of a high school degree, uh, not even completed high school, but just the complications of, of, um, Chinese politics at that time when he was growing up, he wasn't able to finish school. Um, and so when I was applying, even just applying to colleges, my parents didn't really know what to do, how to guide me. And I kind of had to navigate that on my own, um, and once I, you know, went through the application process and then got got accepted to college, I hit a point where, oh, crap, like, I didn't realize that as an undocumented immigrant, I'm going to have trouble getting into college. Um, and, like, we went through all this. We went to look at colleges. We, like, I, like you know, practice for the SATs for so long and like all this stuff, all the stuff everybody did, I did. And then there's this point where I was like, okay, nobody else is going through the same exact problem because I know for a fact that none of my friends are, or none of my immediate friends were undocumented. None of them had this specific issue and I could not discuss it with anyone because I you just you just don't talk about yourself being an undocumented immigrant because you're putting yourself at risk, putting your family at risk. Um, so that was like an extremely stressful, very very emotional um, time in my life, but like beyond what a normal teenager at that age goes through. I didn't, yeah, I didn't really know who to turn to um, or you know who to kind of help me help me navigate that problem and i think that's all that kind of goes into you know how many times are there fires within a startup right to this was a blaze in your life this was like the ultimate like what am i going to do and you have to think on your feet and the solution's not always there and i'd argue that these types of moments in your life have built you up into who you are today yeah i mean Running a startup, um, you definitely have to be very self-sufficient. You have to be willing to um, get past the, the more difficult times in order to find a solution to your goal, your end goal, what you're trying to get to. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like, it, you know, if I can, if I can overcome that, if I can overcome all these things that I detailed out, like, I can, I can start a startup, you know, it's like, yeah. How do you view startups, right, or building businesses and the risks involved and the fires involved, you know, not only now through um, the perspective as an immigrant, but also as a mother, you know, and, and, and the calculator risk you must take, you know, how does that play a role in thinking of, hey, like, do I really still want to do this? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm at a point right now where I'm trying to figure out what's the next thing I want to do because I spent the past um, four or five years raising my daughter and I felt like it was time to to do something professionally now, you know, now that she's in school and, you know, I have more time to think about these things for myself. Um, but I definitely want to show her that you can you can build things yourself. You can create things yourself. And, and that's actually what's important to me is to be able to let her know that this, these are things you can do beyond, you know, the standard processes, you know, you go to college, you get a job, um, and then you move up the ladder and, and that's fine. And that's great. But there's also this thing about being self-sufficient, being able to figure things out on your own and, and, and build something with your, your brain, your hands, whatever it is. Um, I think that's a vital thing I want her to understand. Yeah. Like just with the risks involved in a startup, um, I, I'm not really thinking of, um, you know, I can, there, there's a distinction between inventing something that isn't already there versus, um, trying to build a business up around something that around a market that exists. And, you know, you can, you can take extreme risks and, you know, go into something that, that is un, uncharted territory, or you can minimize your risk and kind of get into something that is stable. And, um, you know, you can kind of figure out for your own business, the unique way you can operate, but it's just within something that is a little less risky um, than than the unknown. I think, you know, when I was little, I used to put together Legos and I would deviate from the instructions. And I feel like that was kind of setting the stage up for my career at times. Um, there are yeah. two groups of people. There are people who will meticulously put together uh, the Legos based on the instruction that they're given, or they'll build their own creations uh, with the Legos that they are given. And I kind of think that's an appropriate analogy for uh, for this whole discussion right now. Yeah, totally. I mean, if I'm I'm just watching my daughter play with her friends. These kids have unlimited. They have no bounds in their imagination. They can create anything, and it is because of. Um, us adults, the society that puts restrictions on, on this creativity, on these imaginations. But if you just let them play in the way that they want, it, it's like, it's unlimited what they can do and what they can come up with. Yeah, like even just with the Legos, you know, if you throw out the, the booklet that comes with your Lego set of what you can build, it they will create anything and it's amazing. 
if you can get Mia to put together an IKEA bed set, I think <laughs> I think then you have a, a baby genius on on well, my base four and a half. But then you have a genius, a young young genius on your hands. Um, <laughs> but that's a whole separate. It's, story. Yeah, it's funny you said that because she does try to build IKEA the building out of her blocks. I don't know why she <laughs> like chose IKEA. <laughs> yeah, she would do that totally. Uh, shout out to Ikea, not a sponsor, but you can be if you want. Uh, we love you on the yeah. show. So you've had this incredible story. You've now put it down on paper, and I'll remind the audience to go and read my journey as an undocumented immigrant as soon as you stop listening to this podcast, which I know you're doing all the time. So I know it's going to be hard to find that time, but uh, but you have my permission to, to, to go and read it. Um, so you have your story out there. Uh, you're raising your daughter. Uh, you're looking for new businesses to reinvent and to conquer. Uh, what in this very moment is your current dream? Uh, if you could have anything happen, what would you want to happen? <laughs> um, that is uh, very broad. It could be like, I want a really good cup of tea. This is teed up after all. Yeah, I want to actually my my dream that I've always had and it's still my dream is to just know how to relax. Um, actually business wise, my dream was always when I was younger was to open like, um, a B and B just somewhere very chill, like, like a beach or something. Um, I think that the difference between having dreamt that when I was younger versus now is now I'm like, Oh, that's, that's doable. That's definitely something I can do within my lifetime. And I more or less will know how. Um, so it's just a more attainable dream knowing what I know now than when I was younger. Where, where's the location? Um, let's say, let's say Cabo. Nice. I was, I was yeah. hoping for like seaside New Jersey, but, uh, Right, yeah. well, we're both well, New Jersey. We'll I've, gone, I've gone the whole episode without us talking about our New Jersey connection. Um, right. And we both grew up in New Jersey. Uh, what What was the best New Jersey-esque experience you had growing up? I'm not even sure if I can answer this, so if you can. Yeah. I don't know. There's definitely a New Jersey. Um, I mean, I lived in a number of a handful of places and New Jersey is the only one that understands diner culture. Yes. Um, so you can, yeah, it's just like you can go to this one place and have the op- option to order anything you can imagine at any point in time in that day. It's really mind boggling so, when you think New about Jersey. it. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact, I mean, it would drive me nuts to be a chef at a diner and in New Jersey because you were expected <laughs> to know every dish on the menu that's ever been conceived. Yeah. And I feel like we need to play this up more in the, in the continual New Jersey public relations uh, campaign that is always ongoing. <laughs> um, we're of similar age. Like I just remember going to college and 
having to use Garden State as the example for New Jersey as, you know, art and culture coming out of it versus the Jersey Shore, which is what everyone wanted to talk about um, for about five years. And they still do at times. So anytime there's a chance to promote the positive culture of New Jersey, uh, this podcast will be a forum for that. Yeah. Come to New Jersey for the diners. Come for the diners. Stay for the diners. Um, yeah. <laughs> On that note, Yin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This is a important topic to talk about. Um, for those of you who are interested in reading uh, about Yin's story, you can find it on Medium. Uh, it's called My Journey as an Undocumented Immigrant. Thanks for coming on today. Say hello to Eric and Mia, and hope to have you on again soon. All right. Thanks for talking to me. Awesome. Thanks, Yin. Nice. All right. Bye. That's all for today's Teed Up. I want to thank Ying Yin Chan for coming on the show and telling a little bit more about her story. Go and check it out for yourself. The link to her article is in the description of my podcast. Um, we'll have many more exciting guests in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll have many more new tea flavors to try out. Uh, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to talking about all the good things that are happening with this country. We've had two heavy episodes, I feel, really diving into some very important topics. Uh, I think it's time for another review coming up soon. You know, I don't think we're going to be reviewing the pumpkin spice latte. I originally kind of wanted to give a re-review now that the weather's actually cold and it's appropriate to drink it, but we're we're approaching gingerbread season, folks, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to, fun things to try out, uh, given, given that that's here. But until then, uh, thanks for listening. Like and subscribe uh, on your favorite podcast listening platform. This has been Teed Up, and I'm Andy Rosenberg. <laughs>